notes for today. If you don't, if you can raise your hand. I We used to have, when one needs notes, it will help you. <clears throat> we won't obviously go through them all today. But uh, we used to have, uh, when we would have pre-service prayer um, years ago, that we had, we still have pre-service prayer, but but some of the prayers would go like this. Lord, move so strongly that Pastor Glenn doesn't preach today. <laughs> and I'm there going, oh, okay. <laughs> I know what they meant. <clears throat> and and I just, I, I thank all of you for cooperating today with just, let's just not rush what God wants to do, Right? In the middle of it, but then then there's the other side. You don't want to force or strive or cook something up either, right? But God also anoints His word and the receiving of His word. So that's how we get fed as well. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So, so Father, we thank you now for giving us Your Spirit. Those who've come to Christ come to You, Jesus, and giving us your word. May we receive it now with faith. May we mix it with faith under the changing of our lives, transformation for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. So back in January, I was praying about a number of things for the new year. And one of the things that I, I felt the Lord put on my heart was that we as a church were to go through a book of the Bible together on Sunday mornings, verse by verse, through a book of the Bible. Now, that's, that's actually very spiritually healthy for us to do that, <clears throat> whether it's in your personal prayer time, devotion time, or in a small group Bible study, or, or even on Sunday mornings. It, it's healthy for us to go through a book like that <clears throat> because it helps to uh, give us an elevated perspective of what was on God's heart when he moved upon that author to write that book. And it also helps us to see, when you go through a book, to see various themes and patterns and emphases that God wants us to apply and prioritize in our own lives. For example, you know, the, the book of Acts has an emphasis, it's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, it has an emphasis on the supernatural power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, dreams, visions, uh, healings, things, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It has an emphasis through all 28 chapters on the supernatural power of God. And Acts is our record of how the New Testament church was birthed and how we are to grow as a church. And so Jack Deere, an author of a, a book in the 90s called Surprised by the Voice of God, he said this, if you were to take every reference to the supernatural power of God out of the book of Acts, 28 chapters, not one chapter would be left intact from the book, from the book of Acts. That tells me that God emphasizes that we be, that the New Testament church not just study the word, but invite the power of the spirit, which is what we've done today. So you get those kind of insights as you go through the Bible. 
Um, obviously, I'm not going to get to everything today, so, so don't worry. But, <laughs> but when I did get this impression, I thought, well, what, you know, what, Bible, what book of the Bible should we go through? Today's going to be an overview of this book that we're going to go through. It's the, the book of 1 John. And I was like, you know, what, what book should we go through? And, and the, 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 the book of 1 John came in my mind. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, angels descended from the ceiling and violins and this is what you do, you know. But I, I did, it did seem right. So I went to Kyle and said, Kyle, what do you think of going through 1 John? And those who know Kyle know <clears throat> that he basically never met a book of the Bible that he didn't absolutely love. So... It's like, oh yeah, First John, you know. And then I went to Suzanne and said, "Hey, Suzanne, what do you think of First John?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, because she's thinking. She's a thinker." And 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 so Kyle's kind of like a, a a golden retriever who's like, "Yeah." <laughs> Suzanne's kind of like a cat on the the windowsill, you know, meow, meow, you know. You need, we need our dogs and cats, right? Okay. So I'm like, hmm. So I went to Grace, my daughter, who's out of town this weekend. But I, I said, Grace, what do you think of 1 John? And she was like, oh, I love 1 John. So I kind of, she was kind of my tie-breaking vote there. And so 1 John it is. That's what we're going to go through. And um, uh, this book, 1 John, so I kind of studied it out for this message today. It comes from the vantage point of a father writing to his children. And so, you know, we can, you know, he, John's writing to his spiritual children. And so, you know, as we go through 1 John, it's not really hard for us to think of God the Father is writing to us. And so uh, John, the author of the book of John, 1 John is John. It says it right there in your Bible, the, the first epistle of John. Um, John wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, John the Apostle didn't just kind of give his opinions. He was inspired to write the book of 1 John, as is every book of the Bible. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God, is God, God breathed. In other words, the Holy Spirit moved on men to, who wrote the Bible, the books of the Bible, and they wrote only the words that the Holy Spirit wanted in the Bible. And so John actually wrote, the Apostle John wrote five books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then the book of Revelation. It's not called Revelations. It's the singular revelation of Jesus that God gave John. It's okay if you say Revelations, but just thought I'd throw that in. Today's going to be an overview, and we're going to look at first the, the reason we chose this book and then some of the resources this book will provide. I won't, I won't finish it all. But the reason that we, we chose it is, first of all, we want to we do this. We want to go through John because as we go through 1 John, because as we go through it, I believe it will help us 
to be uh, to walk with greater success in the Christian life. I mean, there are lots of definitions of what success is, right? Well, I'm not going to argue with someone's definition of success, but may I offer to you one of the best definitions I can think of for a Christian is written out on our wall in the lobby of this church building. To move God's heart and then to change the world. If we can move God's heart with our weak yes and our love for him and our worship, our true worship, and if we can then be filled with the Holy Spirit upon us and in us and then flowing through us to change our world for the glory of God, I would say we're successful. That's a successful life. And so... Roman numeral two here, the reason we chose this book, yes, that we could walk in greater success, but, uh, but I believe the reason, the main reason we chose this book is this book of 1 John is very relevant for us today in 2024. It's very, very relevant. Um, the nature of 1 John is holy intimacy and holy living. If you can encapsulate, it's holy intimacy and holy living. And the two go hand in hand, as we'll, as we'll see when we, as we go through it. The themes of 1 John are relationship, fellowship, and holiness. Relationship, fellowship, and holiness. John's going to develop the relationship and fellowship that we have vertically and then horizontally like you see with the cross. Vertically, first it's the relationship and fellowship that we have with God, and then the relationship and fellowship that we have with one another. And so as we connect more, this book will help us to connect more here and here, and that will fuel us and empower us to live more holy lives. We are walking in this, in this time where we're living in an hour where we really need to draw close. I have entitled this series, Draw Close, because there is so much happening right now where people are living, are getting more isolated, believers are becoming more separated and more um, hateful shall we say, not loving. And so we need to be drawing close in this hour. We need to, dare I say, circle the wagons, so to speak, because the enemy, the darkness is increasing in our world. You know, it's, it's kind of that phrase, I thought of it this morning, united we stand. It's about drawing close and standing together as a family. Standing together as a family, united we stand, divided we fall. Patrick Henry said that in 1799, when the states were vying for breaking away from the, the union with the, the Constitution. He said, he said this, he said, let us, this is his exact quotes, Patrick Henry, let us trust God and our better judgment to set us right hereafter. United we stand, divided we fall. 
Later on in 1858, Abraham Lincoln said this phrase, united we stand, divided we fall, when it came to our nation taking a united stance against slavery. The Bible, Jesus talked about it, when a church, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So 1 John, I believe, is going to help us with this. Sadly, there is a lot of strife, as I've already alluded to, going on in the body of Christ. It is so opposite of what Jesus said in John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this, the whole world will know you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And you may say, well, okay, what does that mean? What does love for one another mean? Well, I love the words of St. Augustine back in the fourth century. He said this about the interaction of Christians with one another. He said, in essentials, essential doctrine, we must have unity. In non-essentials, we must have liberty. In all things, we must have charity or love. In essential things, like how a person gets saved, we don't have any wiggle room on that. We're saved by grace through faith, amen? It's not, you don't earn your salvation, okay? But in non-essentials, like pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pan-trib, you know, it's actually mid-trib, but, you know, I won't argue. But in any trib, it's okay, the, I, the lady who cuts my hair, they don't, have, they don't allow musical instruments in worship. I'm like, that's okay. I like musical instruments in worship. Donnie, where are you? You like musical instruments, right? Candy? All right. But it's liberty. You have liberty in that. Listen, <laughs> we're going to be together forever. Right? Can I hear? We're going to be together forever, the whole body of Christ, right? So let's be nice. Let's be nice. First John is going to help us be nice and not, not draw swords on social media. All right, stop. Back, Glenn, stop. All right. Let's be nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> Before we go through First uh, John, as we go through it, see if you can spot the themes of relationship, fellowship, and, uh, and holiness. Relationship, fellowship, and holiness. Uh, a couple of verses that show us that. First John 1, 7. These are the three. They're linked together. Relationship, fellowship, holiness. First with God and then with each other. Look at this. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... Relationship, fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see where I got that? It's relationship, fellowship, and then holiness. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
There it is again, the vertical, the horizontal. Propitiation is one of those fancy Bible words. It basically means Jesus took the wrath of God that we deserved because of our sin. He took the wrath of God by shedding his blood on the cross. Also, as we go through the book of 1 John, I'm giving this overview today. See if you can spot these words and how often they're used that, kind of, that will help us to see this emphasis on family and holy living. The word father occurs 13 times in 1 John. The word, the word dear children or little children or born ones occurs eight times. The word fellowship occurs four times just in chapter one. The word love, you know how many times the word love occurs in 1 John? 37 times. On the, uh, alongside that, the word sin occurs 17 times. So we see these as indicators of family and, and holy living. Now I want to get to the resources, Roman numeral three. There are five things that this book, that God inspired John to write this book for. Five things this book was written for. And, and you'll read them right there. It says, this book was written for this, okay? Five things this book was written for that if we can apply them in our lives, we will see these five things happen more at an increased measure in our lives. The first one is it, paragraph A, it will, as you go through 1 John, it will promote fellowship. Now, fellowship, it says it right there. I'm going to read the verse. It'll promote fellowship with God and with one another. 1 John 1, verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, so he's writing the book, that you may you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now this word, fellowship, is used like it's one of the biggest words in the Christian life. It, Candy, what church are you a, a member of? Well, I love this one so much, so many, but Austin Christian Fellowship. Right, right, yeah, but you're, okay. Yeah, Austin Christian Fellowship is the name of the church where Candy helps lead wor or leads worship. It's fellowship. It's, you know, someone was whispering, it's ACF, like I forgot. I knew. I'm okay. <laughs> it's the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. Now, let me tell you what fellowship is not. Fellowship is not... A Christian fellowship is not coffee and donut time in the lobby before a church service. Someone said praise God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's not Christian fellowship is not a Christian social activity after church. Like, let's go to Don Mario's and, and have, you know, and, and eat Christian tacos or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which, by the way, Don Mario's is sounding really good right now, but, but let's, you know, it's, it's, it's deeper. Than, it's not, it's, hey, let's have fellowship and, and go do something. It's, it's deeper. It's deeper than that. Uh, fellowship means to have partnership. 
to have something deeply in common with one another. Now we have fellowship, partnership vertically and horizontally. First, we have fellowship with God. We are a partner with God. We have something deeply in common with God. Now a sinner has nothing in common with God until God sent his son to have something in common with him or her. And then the, the power of the cross, now the cross lets us come together. It means we have something in common with God. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.4, he says we're partakers of the divine nature. Do you know that word partakers is the exact same word as fellowship? We're, we have fellowship with the divine nature. We're a partner with God. Second, we have fellowship with one another. First John will help promote fellowship. We have something deeply in common with one another. What we have in common is not our age or our likes or dislikes or what neighborhood we live in. What we have in common is your daddy is my daddy in heaven. That makes us brothers and sisters. I, I found this out in a powerful way. I was a youth pastor at a church in Waco, Texas, Highland Baptist Church that spawned Antioch Church, and Chip and Joanna Gaines and all that later. <laughs> but the power of God would move in this spirit-filled Baptist church. Yes, those exist. And there was this 80-year-old lady worshiping right next to a teenager in a biker leather jacket and tattoos, and they just loved each other in the Lord. It was holy. It was beautiful. Because what they had in common was Jesus. Not what kind of music they're listening to. Amen. Well, I already, I already quoted the Howard Snyder uh, d definition of, of, uh, of fellowship. It's basically where the masks of insincerity are dropped. And we can just be, we can just realize none of us are perfect. Don't come, let's not come in and try to hide things. Now, if you're struggling with like five different areas and someone says, how are you? I, maybe they don't have 10 minutes at that point, but be honest, find people that you can talk to and, and go for it. Matthew, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, get this. If you guys can get this video ready. I, uh, I, I, I love, I like going to rodeos. And one thing that really struck me was this part of a rodeo is they call it mutton busting. Anybody here ever mutton busted? You have? Okay, so, so one thing I noticed, because I'd be up in the stands, you know, there'd be like 10 or 15 sheep. It's like a child, a four, five, six-year-old riding a sheep. And then when they fall off, because they're only a few feet, they, you know, it's not painful, you know. They're not worried about all that, you know. But when the sheep finish, they all get in a little flock. They go all the way across the arena and they all gather together. And so before you show this video, this is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude. But believers are not compared to bears, lions, or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect. They love to get together. Sheep go in flocks. 
and so do God's people. Can you just show this just for my sake? I just want to see some. What are you going to do, do on Thursday? On Thursday. Wait, wait. Come on. There are, there are a lot, a lot of today's, today's rodeo stars, stars that got started on sheep. There's, there's more for them to hang on to, and a lot of kids fall off, but it's uh, like, like stage, stage one. one. See that? All right, see that? See? All those little, all those little sheep, they get together because we're sheep of his pasture. Now, I know we don't... Can you just keep the picture up there? I just... I go home and I watch old old rodeos. All right. (laughs) But yeah, just for me. Just do that for me. So they... When we are standoffish, I'm going to tell a dad joke and we're about done. Well, I actually have a few more minutes. Um, Dad jokes. Anybody get... Roll your eyes when dad... Do you tell dad jokes? Do they... So, uh, so sometimes sheep are like porcupines. They have many fine points. Can I have a rim shot? <laughs> but you try to get close to them and they push you away. Right? Okay. It was a dad joke, but maybe you'll remember it. All right. So the, the, but we're like, we're to be like this. Charles Spurgeon said, thank you. You can take that down. Matthew Henry once said, when we take God to be our God, that means we take God's people to be our people. First John 4, 11, beloved, if God so loved the world, we also ought to love one another. Fellowship is essential for us to be spiritually healthy. Not an option. Fellowship also meets one of the greatest needs. Donnie, if the worship team could come up, I I think I'm only going to get to to fellowship today. Donnie, worship team, if you can, wherever they are, yeah. Fellowship meets one uh, uh, one of the greatest needs that people have and one of the greatest problems in our society, and that is loneliness. It is, it, there's, a, there's a great epidemic, thank you, of loneliness that's happening. Uh, 60 per, this is latest statistics. 60% of people in America report being lonely on a regular basis. 47% say their relationships are not meaningful. <clears throat> There's a man who, who goes, makes house calls that I know uh, to fix uh, computers and technology things. <clears throat> and he was t- telling me the other day, he said, man, I, I wasn't even bringing up that I was going to talk about this, but he said, people are so lonely. You come to their house and they just start talking and talking. And, and they're just not used to talking with people anymore. They've been talking to their phone, but not people. And he said, they have told me, I have heard everything from people, except not, that no one has told me yet that they committed a murder. <laughs> because, because if they did, then I'd have to report them to the police. So. He was, that's what he said. He's like, I've, I've heard everything going on. There's such a loneliness. 
that is pervasive. pervasive. <clears throat> First John will help us, encourage us. It will promote fellowship. And it will produce joy. That's the second point. It will produce joy. And we'll cover this second one. First John 1 verse 4. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. The Lord inspired John to write 1 John to give up, to help us have fullness of joy. <clears throat> if fellowship is the answer to man's loneliness, then joy is the answer to man's emptiness. David said in Psalm 16, that we, we, in his presence, we can have fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. See, the difference where people don't fully understand this is happiness resides in the soul. It's an emotion, okay, your soul. Joy resides in the spirit, okay? So happiness depends on the happenings. I think in 2016, I, I bought a new used car. It was a Chrysler 200 convertible. I always wanted a convertible and I, I got this at a good deal. And I'm driving back from South Austin. I'm just so happy. And on the way home, I pull into a Home Depot to get manly stuff at Home Depot. And I go back out to my car and there's a big dent in my car door. And yeah, and so there was no note or anything. It was just, I went from happy to not happy in about an hour. Happiness is not joy. Joy does not fluctuate with the happenings. David said in Psalm 43, verse 4, he said, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Picture a bubbling fountain of joy that never runs out, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the loneliness that you may feel at times. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Regardless of the happenings being difficult, go to the altar of God and drink on the fountain of God's joy. That's what I do when I go out on my porch in the mornings and read the word. I'm drinking of the joy of the Lord. That's what I do when I come in this prayer room during the week. I'm drinking of the joy of the Lord. Would you stand up to your feet? I think this is a good place. To respond to the Lord. If there's an area where you feel that that isolation, that loneliness, you could be in a crowd or a big family and still have loneliness. I want to ask the Lord to 
Help us to find that fellowship with one another and with God. If there's an area in your life where you're, where there's an emptiness, there may be an oppression, drink of the fountain of the joy of the Lord. As Donnie and the, the team lead us in a, a song, I want like our prayer teams to come forward. If there's any area. Yeah, I just feel that if if you need to be filled up just with more of the presence of the Lord. We've already been drinking of his presence. Let's just let the Lord fill us up even more. And if you have a per- specific prayer request, a need for prayer of any kind, just come to one of these. Let's just, let's just close with, yeah, Lord, would you come and fill us? Oh, we-